uh, go back and re just read our verse that we're kind of departed off of for the moment and then uh, get back into uh, what we've been talking about. Ephesians 3, verse number uh, 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we were looking at the issue there uh, of the impact in verse number 10. And uh, I, we're talking about the big picture here. And the big picture of things is in that we need some things that we need to know that really go beyond just understanding right division and sound doctrine, but really bulk out into really kind of understanding what's happening in the world about us and the world around us. The design of the church, the body of Christ, is to have an impact into the heavenly places. And in verse 10, to the intent that now, right now in time, the angelic realm up there is watching us. They're paying attention. They're learning. And we talked about that, and we talked about what the angels need to know and, what they're, and how we're to educate them and so forth. And then when you run over to chapter 1, when he says there, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in, I'm going to turn that off. There we go. In the Godhead, if you, uh, if you look at chapter 1 and verse number 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ Jesus, in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So when we're making known the manifold wisdom of God, there's a part of that in that revelation that's given to... And by the way, when we make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery... We have that impact to our community that we're involved in, and we're making all men see that. The angels are watching that also. They're seeing the fellowship of the mystery as well. But the impact into them, Paul takes us back to Genesis 1. So last time we went back into Proverbs, and we saw how in the beginning before, come back with me to Isaiah chapter 40. When we, so we're going to go back and, and look in Genesis 1 and just kind of wrap up some things here about the natural creation. And you need to understand this because as you go, as you see things in life happen, there's, there's, a, there's, a, super, there's a spiritual perception that you and I are to have. Why does man react the way man reacts to the things that are going on? There's a reason. Why do the things that are going on go on? Why does this happen? And, and you and I have to have some, some, some interact, some understanding about what God's purpose is in creation. Creating the earth, creating the heaven. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And when he did that, he had a purpose. He had a plan. He had wisdom, Proverbs 8. Wisdom, the blueprint of wisdom. We're going to see here in a minute when we get into Genesis 1. He goes over and he makes it and he says, that's good. And not good in that it was a good thing to do, but good in that it matches the plan, the wisdom plan. 
He's called the Father of glory, the one that begat a life and a plan of glory and, and so forth. So when we talk about our impact into the angelic realm, our making all men see, there's some things that we need to understand. And I'll be honest with you, most grace preachers never talk about this stuff. But it's critical that we grasp why, why in the world does the world do what the world does? And everybody says, oh, sin. But there's, and, and that's the, that, that honestly is the easy answer. That's the kindergartner answer. But you need to delve beyond that and understand that. Look here in Isaiah 40. In talking, uh, last week we looked in Proverbs, we looked in Psalms, we looked all over about this purpose and this plan. This morning we're going to really get into Genesis 1 because Genesis 1 sits as an outline here for us. But we need to understand some things about the natural creation. There are three creations that God created. The natural creation, earth and heaven. Then a national creation, the nation of Israel. And then a new creation, the church, the body of Christ. Okay? And really we need to look at all three of them, but for time and for some other things, we'll get to the national and the new at another time. But you need to understand this issue about why did he create the heaven and the earth? And when he created it, what did he create? In Isaiah 40, you see a great question in verse number 21 to the nation of Israel. And uh, again, we're, we're, <laughs> we need to understand this. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? The answer to every question is a yes. Israel had known. Israel had all of this told to them in the book of Job. Okay? The book of Job and the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms contain more information about creation than Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Okay? What Genesis 1 does is here's the outline, and then Job just dumps a whole bunch of stuff and fill in the outline. They understood what they did know. They understood their purpose. That's why the seventh day, the Sabbath day, it was a day of what? Of rest. Everybody would take the seventh day off, so Sunday's a day off. Well, Sunday's the first day of the week, not the last day. So now we've got to take Saturday off, right? It has nothing to do about taking a day off. It has everything to do for Israel that they were to stop and remind them, themselves of why God created the earth and why God created the nation of Israel, their purpose and their plan. It wasn't a, we got a stove at home. We, we got it home from Sears right before Sears went out of business. Great time to buy, you know. We get it home and I'm going through the manual I, the, you know the most unread book out there is the owner's manual to a car? But it's the most, pop, most printed book out there is the owner's manual. The most, you know, you, you don't read. I'm reading the, through the manual of the stove, and you know what they have? My stove has a Sabbath day setting that I can set it so that Saturday morning it comes on by itself. Because I don't work. I don't go. So Friday night, the wife puts in everything. Saturday morning, it comes on, and nobody worked. Because we don't work on Saturday. On the Sat I'm like, that is crazy. 
I read that thing three times to make sure I read it right. It's got, and, and you know what will happen? You set it for however long you want it to run and cool and warm and all this stuff, and it'll do it the whole day. Now, according to the manual, I've never tried it because I'm, I'm scared <laughs> of it. <laughs> What will happen? But see, the thing is, is that's not what the Sabbath is about. The Sabbath says, hey, stop Israel. Why did God create you? Why did you, have ye not known? Yes, you do know. It was told you. Now watch verse 21. I'm sorry, 22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out, now notice, as a tent to what? Dwell in. See, the issue in the verse, by the way, in the circle of the earth, you get all that yak and, you know, you know they, that uh, space shuttle thing landed yesterday with the non-astronaut people in it and so forth? And I want the question to be asked, well, was the earth circle or was it a flat? You know, because that's all it is the yak. The issue in verse 22 is the end of that verse. He created creation to do what? As a tent to do what? Dwell in it. And that's the ultimate purpose of God in creation. When he makes heaven and earth. Go over there to Genesis 1. When he, uh, yeah, uh, go to Psalms 104. I'll just give you the next verse. When he creates heaven and earth. He creates it with a purpose, and the purpose is for him to come and then dwell with creation. When he creates, Psalms 104, when he creates heaven and earth, he doesn't do it because he's bored. He does it because he's got a plan, and he's wanting to dwell with the creation that wants to dwell with him. That's why the first institution you see that he puts into creation is the issue of volition, free will. Make a choice, a willingly, genuine participant in what he's doing in creation. And he wants that. In a, in a couple weeks when we come back, we're going to be gone next week, but when we come back, we're going to look at the issue you ever read that verse in Isaiah 14? Lucifer, son of the morning, son. There's an issue about sons that he wants to run his creation. He wants adults to run his creation. And you know what adults do? They genuinely make a choice to work and to go and to do and to delight in what he wants to delight in. And that's really what he's doing. Why? Because he wants to dwell. Notice, by the way, in Isaiah there, the inhabitants are as grasshoppers. I got grasshoppers at home. I don't like them. We squish them. Why? Because they get in the way. They come in the house, and the, my dachshunds chase them around the house. And it's like, all right. But you think about grasshoppers, little dudes, in the in the view of it. So in 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 uh, Psalms 104. So in Genesis one, it's Genesis one is not the first verses about creation, but they're put there first. Because they're laying out an outline for the purpose of God in creation. What is he going to do in creation? And he works that all out in Genesis 1-1 and following. But Israel, they are already a nation. Isaiah, they're, they're already a nation. They know. They know what's going on and so forth. Now look at 104, Psalms 104. Look at verse 1. 
the, really the rest of the morning, I just wanted you to see things about creation, okay? Verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who covereth thyself with light as with a garment? Who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain? By the way, verse 2 is going to be important when we talk about Adam and Eve and the creation of man and his likeness. It, Adam and Eve, were, they were clothed in a garment. They were covered with light. When they sinned and they fell, their light went out, if you will. Okay? They're clothed. They're, he's got... He's, Clothed with honor and majesty, he's covered thyself with light as with a garment. He stretched out the heavens like a curtain. What did Isaiah say? He stretched it out to do what? Dwell in it. Live in it. Now watch verse 3. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the water? Who maketh the clouds his chariot? Who walketh upon the wings of the wind? That's a summation of of Genesis 1, verse 2 and 3. He lays it in. When he created, he lays in the foundation for his city, for his palace. We looked at last time. We're in Job. Well, we're going to get over there in, in a minute. I'm telling you ahead. But he lays in that city. So the foundations, the beams, so that when it comes to earth, he can do what? Dwell with his creation. Come over with me to Exodus 15. He's going to dwell and live with man, with creation. The earth is, is the sanctuary for God to dwell in. You know, you think about God. I don't know if you've ever really kind of thought about God as a concept of God. But he's God, isn't he? He can you can't limit God to one, one place. Notice I said you can't limit God to one place. Yet because he is God, he, he does and did choose to manifest his glory in a geographic place. He chose to do that. He chose to, in a place specific here on a planet that he's going to create... He chose to come and manifest his glory, personify himself, make himself available. Emmanuel, God dwells with us. He's with us. Here he is. Look at Ezekiel 15. I'm sorry, Exodus 15. Look at verse 17. Talking here to Moses. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place again he's talking about israel bring they're coming out of egypt crossing the red sea they're the end of end of chapter 14 verse 29 30 the they see the the egyptians there and israel saw the egyptians dead upon the seashore and so forth and verse 17 of chapter 15 thou shalt bring them israel in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance notice the lord has an inheritance in the earth in, a, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary. Notice it's a capital S. It's a, there's a city, a building, a palace. O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. There's a place. There, there's a sanctuary. 
he, he looks at Adam and he places them eastward in Eden. The country is Eden, and they sit down at the eastern end of it. You've got to pay attention to that, how that says that. Israel, they're going to have a, they have a promised land. They got a city, the capital, Jerusalem. And you know what God says? That's the place I'm going to put my sanctuary, right over there. I got a plan. I have a place. And as we now go back to Genesis 1, as we go to Genesis 1, and we're going to see all of that happen, we're going to see the systematic order of creation. And literally, it is just simply an outline here. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, I, several years ago, Dad was here. He was teaching, and he was t- talking about five words. Paul says, I'd rather give you five words than speak 10,000 languages and the tongues and so forth. Five words. Notice the beginning of the book. In the beginning, God, what? Created. End of, end of discussion. We don't need a discussion about evolution. We don't need a discussion about the dinosaurs or any of that other Big Bang stuff out there. What happened? God created. That was it. He created heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So the discussion in Genesis 1 isn't about evolution. It's about what? God created. What did God do? What's his purpose? He's got the blueprint for, for the whole of it. Now he's going to take that blueprint and he's going to put it into action. Notice verse 2 carefully. And the earth was without form and void. Notice it says, and the earth. In one one, he created what? Heaven and earth. Now he's just going to look to the earth. And the earth here is going to be the focus. And it is the focus of the plan of God all the way down to the Apostle Paul, who then introduces us to the what? To the heaven. So the focus, Israel's focus, the focus in the earth is what he's going to describe here. Remember in Job 38, as he creates the angels and the sons of God and all that, they begin to watch and they begin to rejoice and they, and they begin to see him put into play the blueprint. Notice there's darkness was upon the face of the earth. Hold on to here. Look over at John 1. A great verse in John 1 about the darkness without form and void, no shape to it, no inhabitable place to to it. So now he's going to form it, and now he's going to populate it. If you think about that word form and void, by the way, that that term form and void is only used one other place in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, in connection to judgment of the second coming, where he's going to lay the land out without form and void, but no form and void, nothing there. If you think about void, you know, it's, it's worthless. There's nothing there. Darkness. In Isaiah, or back there in Psalms, he said he stretched out the heavens like a what? Like a curtain. You got those blackout curtains? Those things are great. Keeps the sunlight out. He keeps the, hey, why? You black that out. Look at John 1. Look at John 1, verse 3. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness, notice that, comprehended it not. There's darkness. Go back to Genesis 1, verse 2. There's darkness. There's no light allowed in. The darkness that comprehended it not, that's a spiritual darkness. There's a spiritual thing going on here as well. But then he says in verse 2 that the darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God began to move. Now the Spirit of God, God begins to move. He's going to begin to work in His creation. You run over to Deuteronomy 32 and and there's a passage over there, uh, verse 11 I believe it is. Yep, Deuteronomy 11, 32, 11, talks about an eagle as she fluttereth in, in, on her nest. And that's that issue of moving, making home. What, what is the nest? It's a home. He, he's building, he's going to build a, a habitation. And he starts working. And he start, he's going to start putting everything together the way he wants it done. Because who's, what's coming? His sanctuary. His house. By the well, his, there's so much here. I, I'm sorry I keep saying by the way. Because <laughs> there, there just literally is. You go to Hebrews over there, and, Hebrew, and he looks at Moses, and he says, Moses, here's the tabernacle, and it's a pattern after the true one. And you begin to lay out how he did it, and you can begin to literally see the structure of the universe as it mirrored out in that tabernacle. He's going to begin to do things the way he wants them done, because what's the goal? to come and dwell with creation. Verse 3, And God said, Don't ever forget that. The Spirit of God begins to move, and He begins to move as what? God says. The Holy Spirit never works apart from the Word of God. He always works with and in accord with the Word of God. Never forget that. The Spirit of God begins to move upon the face of the deep, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. You see when he says it was good, what did it match? That blueprint. This is what I wanted done. Notice he says, God, the light. You understand that. You come into a dark room, and what do you do? Turn the light switch on, and where'd dark go? To the corners. But come over to Psalms 74. We know that this isn't the sun, because he's going to create the sun here in a couple days. But look at Psalm 74. Psalm 74 and verse 15. Psalm 74, 15. Thou, thou didst cleave the fountain and the flood. Thou driedest up the mighty rivers. The day is thine, and the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and, what? The sun. So you can have different kinds of light. So back here in Genesis 1, in the first day, what did he turn on? He turned on the light. He turned the light on so that, come over to Job 38. You're in Psalms. Let's go back there to Job 38. The passage here. He doesn't create the sun and the stars and the moons. He does that in a few days. 
but rather he comes in and he turned on the light. Now let me ask you something. You remember a minute ago when we read in Psalms that he was clothed in light? You know what's happening? God's moved into the creation to do what? Create. But he turned on the light. Job 38, look down there at verse 7. When the morning stars sang together for all the sons of God shouted for joy. What happened? He turned on the light so that they could see what he was doing. They could see him create. The angels were watching. They had to, 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 he had to turn the light on so they could see. So when he comes in, the light here, he divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. I'm back in Genesis 1. He doesn't create the sun and the moon and the stars yet. He just comes in and he says, there's going to be light. So now we got a big LED light bulb shining so that the angelic realm can do what? Watch him, see him create. Back in Genesis 1, by the way, if you look there at verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and it divided the waters from the waters. There's gonna, he's going to begin to lay out here some things. He's going to begin to lay out and he's going to begin to develop the structure of the universe and the firmament ideas and he's going to spread it out like a tent to dwell in. He's going to begin to make it so he can come and then live in it. By the way, verse 14 is where he makes this. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for season and for days and years. And he makes the sun and the moon and so forth. And there he begins to dress the firmament. But at first, he comes over and he comes in and God said, and he gets involved, turns everything on so that they can see what he's going to do. And that's the point. He's not over here doing it under darkness and nobody can see. He's like, I have a plan and I want all to see it. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and this morning were the second day. He begins to develop and structure, add structure to the universe, and it begins to be identified for us, this firmament here. We call that the universe out there. And we begin to see this, and he stretches the waters out, and he divides it all up. Come over to Job 37. Job 37. And when you come into this, he, he's literally beginning to create the second heaven. Job 37. There's the three heavens are going to pop up here on us. Job 37, look at verse uh, 14, 37, 14. Hearken unto this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Wow. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? See that issue here? He moved in. Dost thou know the balancings of the cloud, clouds, the wondrous works of him, which is perfect in knowledge, how thy garments are warm when he quieth, quieteth the earth by the south wind? Hast thou 
with him spread out the sky, which is strong and as a molten looking glass. Notice that description of the firmament out there, the clouds, the strength, the sky, the, the, the stars of the sky, the strong, it all is held together. Come over to chapter 38, verse 30. Think about this. The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. You know what he does? He separates out that water above and water. And by the way, you know there's water underneath the earth, and there's water above the earth, because the verses tell you. But Israel knew that, because what did Moses tell them? Don't you make a graven image to things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth. Woo! What's under the earth? There's a whole bunch of water down there, but the face of it is what? Frozen. It's as a molting looking glass. You know what that is, don't you? That's a mirror. I got a crazy idea, and it's just my crazy idea, that the container of the universe is in a rectangle shape, matches the tabernacle, but the walls of it are mirrored, molting looking glass. Why? Think about that. They shine that goofy telescope out there and they say the universe is 23 trillion trillion and trillion miles and I'm sitting there going not if it's a looking glass because what happens when you shine a light in a mirror it bounces when they open the Mormon tabernacle or Mormon tabernacle Mormon Mormon temple down in the South Valley we went down there and walked through and you go into their marriage room and the room is white it's all what carpets white walls are white everything and and they got runners and you're supposed to stay on the runners now you know me I didn't stay on the runner I'm over, but they've got these things they call eternity mirrors. And they got mirrors opposite of each other on the wall. And you look in them, and guess what you see? You see yourself forever. And the guy's supposed to be on one side, and the girl's on the other, and blah, 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 you know, all whoop de doo, right? But the thing is, is what do you do? You, so when they start bouncing things off light up there, I am like, wait a second. Do you know that you could take the dimensions given to Moses for the tabernacle and figure out the shape of the universe? You can do it. It's there. Now, it's, we're going to be in the heavenly places. I'll worry about that and let Moses and the rest of them worry about the rest of it. But the thing is, is it's right here. The waters are hid, verse 30, as with the stone. The face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pelides or loose the bands of, of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arturus with his sons? There's the zodiac, that angel, the, all that heavenly host up there in the stars. We were down at the dents out, up down in Nutrioso area, and boy, you're talking about dark at night. Oh my goodness, moon's big and bright, stars, and, he, and Jerry goes, right there to right there is the Milky Way. And that was cool. Because down here in the city light, you, you can see the stars, but you can't see the Milky Way. So you get that little app on your phone, and you hold it up there, and you go, oh, there's, there's the idiot. There, oh, there's the turtle swimming. There, you know, and you do all that stuff. And the thing is, is, now notice the next verse. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? The ordinances of heaven. Do you know what an ordinance is? A rule, a law, something that's going to influence, is going to keep it. Do you know why this earth sits exactly where it sits from the sun? 
Because a degree the wrong direction, we're either hot or cold. We're either fried or frozen. Figure it out, you know? We'll see it here in just a second. The thing, chapter 26 of Job. Folks, this stuff is everywhere in your scripture. You just got to go look at it. Got to know it. Got to understand it. 2611. Job 26, verse 11. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. Amos 9, he says, the stories of heaven are built. The pillars of heaven, the ordinances, the rules, the things that that hold it all together. By the way, they're not visible, are they? We just know, we, we know they're there. Why do you know they're there? The book says so. It holds it all together. Now come back to Genesis 1. You get excited, I don't know, I get excited about this because we're supposed to know this. This is stuff you ought to know. You ought to be able to say, hey, do you know what's going on? Yeah, right here, bam, Genesis 1, verse 6. The second day, all that is in place. It's setting. He's, he's, the universe is crea- he's creating the second heaven. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. The earth, it's good. It's matching what he said here. Notice, it's dry land. It's singular. Not seven continents. It's one landmass. Now, where the continents all come from is a little thing called Noah's flood <laughs> and, a, and a whacking of it. He's going to, in Psalms, he, over there, he says that he smashes his decreed place. When you smash something, what do you do? You smash it. You deform it. And you spread it out here. There's a judgment that's going to do it how we see today. Now, come over to Psalms 90. I should have held you in Psalms, but you got to read this stuff. Otherwise, you think I'm nuttier than you already think I'm nuttier. Psalms 90. Look at verse 1. The Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth, And the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Notice how he says, formed the earth. The idea is the potter's wheel with the clay, the dirt. Somebody says, well, I'm going to be my own God. Anybody ever says that to you? Say, fine, step out there and create your own universe first. Don't use the one you're in. (laughs) Use one of your own. What's he? He forms the earth. Come over to chapter 95. Chapter 95. Look at verse 3. Takes, he took, he put it in his hand and he says, this is going to be what it looks like. Verse 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hill is also his. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. In his hand, 
He's forming the places, the mountains. He's sculpting the earth. And he's doing it the way that he wants it to be. Come on over to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 again. He's taking that blueprint and he's... I don't know if you've ever seen blueprints, but you get a blueprint and it's got the big picture, and then they've got little subs, so you can go over to other thing, you know, an appendix-like thing, and you see the detail. He's over in the detail now of that blueprint, and he's forming the earth. Third day, form that earth. Isaiah 40, verse 12, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. He comes over there, and he says, you know what, Mount Baldy's going to weigh this much, and he, boom, puts it there. He comes over, and he says, Mount Everest is going to be here, and he makes it. And he comes over, and he does this, and he, and he digs down in and says, there's going to be a valley right here. There's going to be a Grand Canyon right here. The flood's going to finish it off, but we're going to get her started right here. He's doing that based upon the plan. He's measured out the distance. Exactly, like I said, earth from the sun. What is that? We're the third rock from the sun, they say. You know, I, I feel sorry for Pluto. He gets left out of everything. But he's exactly where he needs to be for future use. Everything, everybody wants to go to Mars. We're going to Mars. I don't want to go to Mars. Why don't you go to Mars? You know? But what is a big push? I'm sitting here going, let's just go back to the moon. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's too easy. We've got to go to Mars. Well, you know, why? Because man's fascination is what? Up there. It's fascinating. And you know what? The angels see him do this. Come back to Genesis 1. He's, they see him meter out, measure out, Form. Put it right where it needs to be. Place it right where he wants it to be. Right where it needs to, do, to function properly. He had a wisdom plan. Plan of wisdom. A blueprint. Chapter 1, verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is is in itself upon the earth, and it was so, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. He de you know what he's doing there? He's decorating it with the vegetation, with the flower. We were up north, and those beautiful wildflowers out Full bloom, a lot of rain. I mean, we came through over one right above before we come down the Salt River Canyon, and there's just a whole meadow out there of yellow. Just gorgeous. Just fantastic. And that's what he, he's dressing it. He's decorating it. He's making it beautiful. He's putting it just right. When Linda retired... One of, we were talking, and she goes, you know what I want? I want fresh flowers every day. I went, oh, okay. I can see that going up. And I'm like, every day? She goes, okay, every now and then. <laughs> okay. Well, that's even better. You know, space that not every and now way out, you know. 
But see, the thing is, is why would you, why would you have fresh flour? Make it beautiful. That's what he's doing. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God. God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. He's now decorating out the heavens. He's putting the Milky Way right where it belongs and the stars and the moons and the suns and all of that out there. And he's placing it in the proper place in relationship to where? Earth. And you can't lose that because the center of the universe and God's thinking is earth. It isn't the sun, it isn't Pluto, Mars, or anything. It's earth. Because what was he going to do? He, what's, he, what's he wanting to do? Dwell with creation. He's going to bring his palace, his city, and put it right here and be and dwell with creation. This is where he's going to dwell, and it's all according to the plan. Verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the, mo uh, the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the water brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the fowl multiply in the earth. Notice that. Notice what he created there. He creates the fowl. Who's that, by the way? Birds. And then he creates the water animals. Isn't that fascinating? Now, look over in chapter number 2. In verse number 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of what? The field and every fowl of the earth. You see where he formed every beast of the ground and brings them to Adam to name? That's where he created the rest of the animal universe. On day four, what did he create? Day four, right? Yeah, verse 19, day four. He created, I'm sorry, day five, because I didn't get down there. What did he create? Verse 23, he creates the water animals and the bird animal, the birds. Then after man's made, day six, he brings, he creates the animal kingdom on the earth, and brings them to Adam to, so he can do what? Name them. Just kind of catch some little differences there. Now come over with me to Psalms 115. In verse 20, he talks about the open firmament. There's the first heaven. So we've got three heavens here. We've got the third heaven, the home of God, where he wants to bring now down and dwell with creation. You've got the second heaven, which is the firmament out there, which is closed. It's closed off. Psalms 115 and verse 15. 
Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. Who does the heavens belong to? The Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The earth belongs to who? Man. Why? It's open. Now you can breathe. If, if you're going to go be one of those science rides that just came back, you've got to put on a space suit. Because when you get outside of the atmosphere, what happens to you? You get in trouble. That's what happens. Blow up or implode or explode. I don't, I don't know which one you do because I don't pay attention to that. But what do you need? You've got to have a space suit on. When the church, the body of Christ, is called home, what do we get? We get a spacesuit, if you will. We get a new body, a body that's engineered to work out there. The point here is, is when he creates, he created the first heaven for, the, for man to dwell, for the animal kingdom to dwell. There's a vast creation here, but yet there's only one place that's the center of his attention, and that's the earth. Now go back to Genesis 1. And that's what the deal is. Now, Genesis 1, verse 24. Genesis 1, 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Here they are. Cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the, of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after his kind, and every thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. He goes over to the blueprint, looks up the appendix on animals, and says that's what they're going to do. Beasts and cattle were there. And God said, let us make man. See, day six, he's creating this. Now he's going to create man. Very interesting. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over. Notice dominion. We saw a minute ago rule over the day and so forth and the night. Rule, order, structure, thrones, government. Who's going to run the universe? So he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Man is created, male and female created now you have to catch some things here by the way verse 28 there's the commission of man what's man going to be he's going to be king he's going to be at the top of the food chain he's going to be fruitful he's going to have a bunch of kids he's going to get married male and female going to have a bunch of kids they're going to and the kids are going to multiply and you're going to have generations you're going to replenish the earth but you're going to subdue it and have dominion over it he looks over there at job and job and he says hey job how often do you have trouble with that donkey over there and job's like all the time but you're not supposed to you're man you're supposed to be in charge of him remember that you don't remember that yeah read job it's there you see, man's design was to have to be the top. And the reason is verse 26. And God said, let us make man, notice, in our what? Image. An image represents someone. You take a 
picture. You take a selfie. It's an image. It represents what you look like in the moment. Your man is to represent God. Image. But then he says, after our likeness. Man is to be God-like. Godliness. There, he's to fill up the earth with God-likeness. Godliness. Have dominion. Let them have dominion. To be a ruler, to exercise authority in the earth. And the issue in Scripture is and always will be the authority of a throne over the universe. That's what Ephesians 1.10 is telling us. That's what Paul's telling us when we have that impact into the heavenly places. And he lists out the principalities and all those positions. And he says, listen guys, this was from the very beginning of creation. This is how God created all of this to be. And that conflict of the ages, the, start, the thing that starts in Genesis 1, and it's going to go all the way down to the, to the, uh, through the great right throne judgment to the new heaven and new earth, is the issue of whose throne, whose authority is going to be in charge. Because there's an adversary in the, in the equation, in the picture. That's why in Isaiah 14... Satan says, I want to be like the Most High. Remember that? Most High God is defined in Genesis 14 as the possessor of heaven and earth. Who's the possessor of heaven and earth? God is. And Satan sticks his little bony chest out and says, I challenge that. And God says, okay, let's see whose wisdom plan works and wins. Truth or lie? Which one? And this is why God is going to, here in a little bit in Genesis, form that and create that nation, his people, Israel for the earth. And then why he comes and later on forms a new creature, a new creation. The body of Christ for the heavens, a new humanity. But yet here's where, by the way, you and I are not in the likeness of God anymore, are we? We're in the likeness of Adam. <laughs> Okay, a little Genesis 5. Now, flip over to chapter 2, just real quick. Catch the, catch the end of the seven days. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, 2-1, and all the host of them. Notice there the heavens is plural. Why? Because we got the three in now. In the beginning, 1-1, one, one, just heaven, 1, earth. Now we've got heavens, got all three. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested. On the seventh day, from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. The work's done. Now, God doesn't rest because he's weary and worn out. But he rests because the work is done. Blessed. God blessed the seventh day. Blessed to speak well of that day. Sanctified it. Set it apart for the purpose in which it was created. Think about this. Six days he's been creating. He says, watch what I did. Watch what I'm doing here. 
make it known. He, he's making the universe, the ordinances. He comes to the earth and the dry land and, and, and he puts in those inhabitants of the animal creation. He, he beautifies it. He goes into the heavens and he decorates the heavens. He makes man. Gives man a job to do. Here's your job. Then he comes on and he comes over and he says, it looks good. It matches the blueprint. Look at that. Man, everything's right where it's supposed to be. All that I intended to be accomplished has been accomplished. The whole is ready. So on the seventh day, he looks out there and he says, the work's done. And man, you need to remember why I made the earth. Why I created this. It's for you to come along and labor with me. Work with me. Choose to be here with me and do. That's why later in chapter 2, he gives man the test of his volition. And what does man do? Chapter 3, failed the test. Disobedience. But you see, what God's doing here is he says, look, I created all this to come and dwell with you, live with you, be here with you. He, God's going to walk with Adam. He's going to educate him. He's going to teach him. Here's my purpose. He creates those animals for Adam to watch and to look at and to name. He brings them to him. God likes the names, by the way, in, later on in chapter 2. Verse 19, and out of the ground the Lord God formed that was the name thereof, the end of that verse. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to follow the air and to every beast of the field. And God hated every one of those names. No. God, God never objected to him calling the platypus a platypus. He never objected. He's, he's educated man. He's taught him. Adam would ask a question. What is this? And he would go through it with him. Think about that. Seven days in. Bam. What's to happen the next Sabbath day? He's going to come and dwell with man. F follow that? Got six days. Seventh day is a day of rest. Over there in Psalms and Isaiah, he says, there's going to be the day of my rest right over there. Talking about that second coming, the setting up of the kingdom. God says, you know what, Adam? I tell you what, you're doing such a good job. You're catching on. Next Saturday, I'm going to come home. I'm going to move in. We're going to be together. But what happens midweek? Probably Thursday. I'll I got a reason why. I, anyway, it has to do with Calvary and the cross and when Christ died. What did, old, what did old Lucifer do? Yea, hath God said. Did God really say that? Think about that. He, the Lord, Adam and, has, and Eve have spent time with the Lord learning and growing and walking and being taught. And Satan shows up, knows he's got a short time and says, Yay, did God really say that? And within the hour, man had fallen. And you know what God said? I can't come. Because now it's marred once again. So we're going to do something else. I'm going to reach over and I'm going to make my people, <laughs> make a nation. There's no longer godliness in the land. But God had a plan of redemption, didn't he? And he had a plan of reconciliation. And he's going to take that creation and he's going to redeem it and he's going to reconcile it back to himself, Colossians says. And he's going to create a nation, 
of Israel to take care of the earth. And he creates the church, the body of Christ, to take care of the heavenly places, the heaven. And he does it all through his son's work at Calvary. That's the ultimate issue. Now for you and I, as we're in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Paul draws us back to all of that because we need to understand why we make the impact into the heavens. Because he created us to go where? There. Follow that? Okay? It's important to understand that God has a point, a point, a purpose. <laughs> and we are a point of it, a part of it. <laughs> I can't read my writing. He's got a purpose, folks, and you and I are an integral part of it. Just as he set everything in creation, he's also setting us. And when we go into the heavenly places and we look at that issues of government and rule and reign, there's a reason. Because the battle is whose, whose authority is in charge. And right now, the course of the world, the prince, the power of the air today, the God of this world is running the show. But is he really? Because God's got a plan to do what? Enough. We're back to day one. Follow that? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction here, for the education that we can get from the pages of your word. And Lord, I just hope that we would apply it to our thinking in a daily basis. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We would normally stand and sing a song.